Hari, can I just warn you that when Andy has these sort of silent moments of intense typing just before a show, uh-huh. it, it's usually directly proportional to the amount of bullshit that's going to get spewed at, at some <laughs> specific moment. <laughs> I'm just warning you now. I appreciate it, Chris. The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome back from the Bugle Summer Recess to this, issue 4038 of the universe's leading authority on all things related to the current phase of human evolution, the state of the universe, and feudal monarchy in the fictitious kingdom of Voritania from the year 1379 to 1382, inclusive, that is, years of massive upheaval, of course, when King Lothar the Incomprehensible mumbled at barely audible volume during a series of unsuccessful battles that eventually led his usurpable by his own wife, Queen Isidore, the passive-aggressive. More on that coming in a new, exclusive Bugle 1,000-page book. I am Andy Zaltzman, live, back from holiday in London now, after two weeks of almost zero access to all news, bliss, sweet, sweet bliss. And joining me from Seattle, Washington, in the USA, it's the one and only Hari Kondabolu. Hey, Andy. Hello, how are you? That is a silly question to ask, considering uh, the news of the week. Uh, right. This might be it. This might be the the last episode of The Bugle, and also of Existence. Right. Well, I mean, The Bugle's managed to managed to last out some major global crises. I don't see why you know, a potential nuclear conflict and the destruction of the planet should should stop this podcast. Don't be so don't be so negative. Don't bring wow. this don't bring this show down with your pessimism. <laughs> Uh, we will we will touch more on this in due course, Buglers, as you would already know if you can remember the start of the uh, the show about a minute and a half ago. This is Bugle forty thirty eight. Coincidentally, the final score in a thrilling best of three coin toss competition between Napoleon and himself over whether or not to invade Russia. He really wanted to build that giant snowman. Um, <laughs> we are recording on Friday, the eleventh of August, uh, two thousand and seventeen, meaning it is thirty three years to the day. Since the same day in 1984, when uh, President Ronald Reagan jokingly said uh, in the sound check before his uh, weekly address that uh, we begin bombing in five minutes, almost sparking uh, another global nuclear conflict. I don't know. I don't know whether the current crisis would be a more childish way to begin a uh, global war than dicking around in a sound check. But it would be uh, unnervingly close. Um, as always, some sections of the Bugle are going straight in the bin. This week, a catalogue of uh, Bugle audio evening classes for the 21st century world. Choose from advanced scaremongering. Uh, lesson one is basic MPQ. That's minimum plausibility quotients. Uh, another class you could choose is pessimism for the naturally cheerful. That's increasingly popular and necessary in the modern world. Uh, self-sufficiency for the practically incompetent, which is basically teaching you how to live off what spiders catch in the cobwebs in your house. Pedantry with wrestling. Uh, useful double up for today's argumentative world. And uh, dealing with online abuse. This week, how to repress any feelings of guilt you might suffer whilst anonymously insulting complete strangers, and how to counteract any niggling doubts that you might not be 110% correct about your crackpot views of the world in the face of overwhelming evidence that you are, in fact, completely deluded. Also in the bin, free audio emojis. Now, some very exciting emoji news has just broken today 
I don't know if you've seen this, uh, Harry and, and, and Chris sitting there in the sound booth, but the Unicode Emoji Subcommittee have announced that as soon as June of next year, new emojis will be launched representing previously unemojinable persons, including the bald, the curly-haired, the ginger, and the ageing. At last, people like me, 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 and me are being represented <laughs> by the emoji industry. This is a huge breakthrough for humanity. And to mark this historic step forward in the art of human representation, we at The Bugle proudly offer you a selection of free audio emojis. Just download these audio files and uh, play them into your conversation at the end of sentences on a loud set of portable speakers. When the ancient tradition of communicating with words is simply insufficient and you need to get a bit audio hieroglyphic with your uh, conversation partners. Uh, here are your free audio emojis. Quick interpretation of that one, that is, for f**k's sake, mate. <laughs> Uh, that equivalates to one or more of angry, constipated, and dying of an incurable fever. And finally, woo, which means roughly, I will hound you from now until your dying day. Those audio emo- emojis are going straight in the bin. They all kind of sounded constipated. <laughs> That's the art of the emoji. <laughs> I'm so pleased there wasn't a sex one then. <clears throat> oh yeah, I I, I was, was on holiday in. Uh, in France, and we went to see some ancient cave art dating back uh, what twenty thousand years, and uh, it's amazing that we basically just returned to that level of depiction of the human form. In fact, probably slightly oh. less sophisticated than that. That was a very heartbreaking thing you said. <laughs> <laughs> you just described the evolution. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening everywhere you look. <laughs> Even the times at the World Athletics Championship seem to be getting slower. <laughs> I mean, just how we talk about anything. Like, do you like it or do you not like it? I like it. That's it. Okay, and then then it's like, oh, that's a lot. That's a lot of words. Heart or no heart? <laughs> it's how good. do you want to pick your mate? Do you do you want you like this face or you want the next face? <laughs> you want to swipe to the next face? <laughs> it's getting back to human basics. <laughs> We've wasted the last twenty thousand years. We we got we started getting complacent as a species when the mammoths died out, and we we need to get, <laughs> get our heads back. <laughs> Top story: World on the brink of nuclear war. On a positive note, this might solve the climate change crisis. Yay! <laughs> Every mushroom cloud. That's a silver lining. <laughs> um, so this is so uh, there might be a war. It looks right. like between North Korea and the U.S. I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but it feels like that's where this might be going. My interpretation of what's happening right now with uh, Trump challenging North Korea uh, is uh, basically the last president of the United States was black, right? So now we all have to die. <laughs> and I think that's the policy decision that has been made right. at this point. Okay. Uh, I, I hadn't spotted that, that logic before, but that doesn't make sense now. 
that yeah. that you that you mention it. I mean, I, I was uh, like I said, I've been away for a few weeks, and uh, I, I miss the escalation of this this crisis, which seemed to happen largely while Donald Trump was playing golf. Um, I, I guess you have to ask, how likely is war? And I guess the answer is, well, how long is a piece of string? And the answer to that is, that depends whether that piece of string has got two f***ing lunatics pulling as hard as possible at either end, shouting, wrap your tape measures around this, you f***ing losers. Correct. If, That's if correct. If I had to put my money on it, though, I would guess that there probably will not be a massive global Armageddon-level apocalypse-grade conflict arising from this. Because for every one person who wants it to kick off and make things go boom, there are approximately 3.75 billion who are probably not not as keen. Basically, Harry, this seems to boil down not so much to, you know, a classic build-up of, of, of geopolitical tension that many wars originate from. This is basically just a dick-swinging contest. And, I mean, that's that's fine to an extent, but the problem is when dicks get swung, there is always a danger that porcelain ornaments will be knocked off relatively low mantelpieces. Uh, that is the concern for me as a member of, of the human race, particularly when one of those doing the swinging is Kim Jong-un, a one-man <laughs> zone who rules North Korea with a rod of stupid, stupid iron. Surely even he... Can't be that keen on unleashing the full might of everyone else's military on his shitty little country. I mean, what would that do to the living standards of ordinary North Koreans? I mean, they'd probably go very slightly up, which is not what he wants. I think that when you're a maniac, uh, after you you lose any kind of contest, or when, when you want to, to, to show the other person off, you, you burn the village after, don't you? So... He, they would, they are planning to burn down the global village. That'll show them. <laughs> right. Also, quick, quick commentary on, on on your commentary. Did you just said if you were to put money on this? Yeah, that seems like a safe bet because if you are wrong, you do not need to uh, to pay up. I guess so. That is the ultimate no lose bet, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, that's a, that's a very safe bet. And also with regards to your dick swinging, the one thing you left out is it's possible that one of those parties is able to fit a nuclear warhead on the tip of their penis. <laughs> which would change the dynamic considerably. Um, I mean, I do have slight vision. I mean, I don't... I fundamentally, clearly, it's in no one's interests for this to kick off. Uh, it doesn't make... I mean, I was looking at the strategy of it because North Korea have proudly announced that they're going to attack Guam, basically. Guam, as I'm, I'm sure you listeners know, is a, is a small island in the Pacific. Um, and uh, in terms of the strategy of it, obviously it, it makes perfect sense to attack uh, a heavily defended and highly militarised Pacific island because that is the absolutely ideal beachhead, Harry, for uh, North Korea's planned land invasion of mainland USA, being as it is just 6,000 short miles from the coast of California. Um, I mean, perhaps this... I mean, it seems too obvious. Maybe this is a distraction, and as we speak, the North Korean Navy is, under cover of broad daylight, about to storm the Pacific states, starting, obviously, with you in Seattle. So, as our Seattle correspondent, currently on the front line... Could you just check out of your window and see whether the North Korean landing forces have already taken over the city and are sitting down for coffees or listening to grunge? Okay, sure. No, not yet. Okay, well, that's, that, that is huge. 
that is a, that is a huge relief. Huge relief. I was reading about Guam. Uh, that it ha- apparently has the largest munition stockpile in the world, stored in igloos deep in the jungle, surrounded by tree snakes and wild boar. Um, that was according to one thing on the internet, so it's basically basically true. But I mean, that's I mean confidence, isn't it, to keep igloos in a jungle? I assume they don't mean actual ice <laughs> igloos, but if it is, I mean that shows the the amazingness of America as a nation. That it keeps munition stockpiles in uh, an igloo near the equator. That is that is sensational levels of national confidence. I feel so bad for Guam. I, Guam just gets passed down from one like colonizing power to the next. It's now a U.S. territory. It, it, it's it just keeps getting like it has nothing to do with this. It didn't ask for military bases. It didn't get asked to mi- get mixed up in the U.S.'s issues. Now, all of a sudden, it might get blown up. After all it's been through, Guam is basically the job of unincorporated U.S. territories. <laughs> <laughs> Can I give you a Guam power fact? Oh, right. okay. Chris is coming at us with some Guam facts. So, Guam, 160-odd thousand. Right. Uh, they took on India at Rugby oh, Union. India of 1.2 billion people. <laughs> And they drew. That is a good result in terms of manpower. Eight all. Yeah. <laughs> Take that, India. <laughs> um, let's have some more Guam facts since you brought that in. We'll have a quick Guam fact box. Guam is about 30 miles long and around 8 miles wide. And from certain angles, it looks like a potato in a sock or a limbless, tailless dog or a fish finger that's been trodden on by a small child, or a scale model of the South Island of New Zealand that went a bit wonky at the bottom. Some scientists claim that if Guam was much, much bigger than it is, and in a different part of the world, it would be Spain. Guam is entirely surrounded by the celebrity ocean, the Pacific. If you wanted to empty the Pacific Ocean to find some keys you dropped overboard during a dinghy race from Japan to Peru, you would need the world's largest bucket, with a volume of approximately two-thirds of a billion cubic kilometres. Or that's the same volume as a scale model of the Queen, blown up a trillion times. <laughs> Guam has never won the Football World Cup, the Olympic 4x100-metre freestyle swimming, or landlocked Country of the Year award. There you go, there are your Guam, <laughs> your Guam facts. I see this playing out a few different ways. Okay. One, we could have full-out war. All right. right, that doesn't sound too good. That doesn't sound too good, okay? Yep. Second way is that there is some you this is this is a, something that the US has done in other situations, small aerial attacks on key sites with with weapons and you know things to weaken North Korea. Now here's right. the problem with that. N- knowing Kim Jong Un the way I know Kim Jong Un, <laughs> he will probably see that as an act of war and that will then lead to a full-on war. Right, okay. The third tact is potentially we could ignore him. Right. Uh, the problem is uh, Trump does not ignore things. He's petty, so that's not going to work. And then we could talk it out. But then we see what happens when Trump talks it out. Again, that will lead to full-on war. <laughs> so there's only so, one method right. that I think has been proven that potentially could solve this. Okay. And that's an arm wrestling contest to control each other's countries like we saw in the Sylvester Stallone movie from the 1980s, Over the Top, where, <laughs> where Sylvester Stallone arm wrestled for the custody of his child. 
Right. It proved it was not a box office success, nor something that courts have advocated for since that <laughs> film. But it worked. It was a solution to a ridiculous situation that did not seem plausible. And that's exactly where we are right now, Andy. I mean, I think there are some other solutions. Firstly, one solution would be a job swap. Just let Donald Trump um, and Kim Jong-un do each other's jobs for a bit. I mean, would anyone actually notice the difference? <laughs> that, is, that is questionable. Would it, would it help? No, but it would, it would be interesting to watch. I came up with a, a couple of other ways this could resolve itself. Okay. And, and I don't know if the U.S. government listens to the podcast, um, but if they do, one thing we could do is hold members of the 1990s Chicago Bulls team hostage. Now, as we know, Kim Jong-un, huge fan of basketball, especially those 90s bull teams, in particular, Dennis Rodman. You hold Rodman hostage, and you up the ante every day. He does not end his nuclear program. Oh, no. It appears appears Scottie Pippen is also being held hostage. And then, of course, you wait for Michael, and that's a real test of faith right there. (laughs) Then you use reverse psychology. You know, right. In case that we are going to be in war, I bet the North Korean government would never tell us what day they would attack. Man, <laughs> those dumb North Korean government types, they would never tell us specifically where and when. <laughs> they're, they're too cowardly to tell us. This is one of the weird things about it. I mean, famously, in war, surprise is an absolutely key element. Sun Tzu, the two and a half thousand year old. Chinese military tactics celebrity in his blockbusting page-turning classic The Art of War. Uh, he wrote that the key to victory is the ability to use surprise tactics and those who are skilled in producing surprise tactics will achieve uh, will achieve triumph. So it is slightly odd that North Korea has laid its cards so obviously and openly on the table, particularly as when you look at North Korea's hand against the might of the American military and all of its allies, it is not an intimidating hand. It's basically laid down a two of clubs, a four of diamonds, a jack of sausages, and the naught of turds. That is not going to scare anyone around the card table. Sure, the jack of sausages might fluke a trick if you play it early, but after that, you're going to get absolutely blitzed. Well, America is uh, absolutely uh, ready for this, according to Trump. Uh, he's, uh, I mean, he said some, said some uh, pretty jaunty things. He's threatened to unleash fire, or, or f- fire and fury, or at least fire, fury, and a fanatical devotion to the Pope. Uh, I forget. He's also said America is locked and loaded, in the delicate diplomatic language for which he has become uh, renowned. And despite the current tension, a huge uh, combined American-South Korean military exercise involving tens of thousands of troops is still set to go ahead later this month starting on the uh, 21st tickets still available at the special website www.stickthisupyourstalinstyleparademrkim.com fire and fury yep St- so I, classic too i'm gonna guess by i i think stan lee is writing his speeches <laughs> there is no other way a human being an adult human would say something like that I don't understand. I'm I'm trying to figure out, like, why would he risk nuclear annihilation? Why would you egg on another maniac? And it's either because he has a spaceship to Mars ready, so the hell with us, 
he, he's, he's out of here regardless of what happens. Or the second reason why Trump is doing this is that funding North Korea's nuclear program is on his tax returns. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know, but that could Just be it. We don't know anything in this day and age. So the Bugle has long prided itself as being uh, one of the more pessimistic uh, broadcasts <laughs> in the world, constantly fearing the worst, despite uh, often evidence of the contrary. So, Horry, I think it's time to look at the fact that Armageddon being clearly inevitable. We need to contemplate things that we wish we'd done before the end of the world, which is clearly going to happen before we record again. I mean, anything in particular stand out for you? Sure. Full disclosure, the list I'm about to read I, I wrote many years ago. Right. Okay. How, but, how many uh, years ago was this? Uh, I think when was the when we? Well, there was one version during the whole Y two K threat. Oh right. Okay. And then there was the whole mine apocalypse. So I updated it. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's been a few. There's one time I uh, had a mole I thought was a tumor, and that added a couple <laughs> of things too. But, but uh, here's I got I got eight things. Uh, first. Okay. Yep. I wish uh, I got to try Kona coffee from Hawaii. I've always wanted that. And I'm right. not just saying that in case, uh, you know, uh, we were to survive that somebody brought me Kona coffee. To, you know, somebody might bring me Kona coffee to my future shows because I mentioned it on this podcast. I'm just saying I wish I had had a chance to go to Hawaii and try some of their fine Kona coffee. Right. Um, well, what, what's, so, what's so special about I don't know. This? I don't know. Oh, I've right, okay. never tried it. Well, that's right. the idea. That's why you want to try it. Yes, I've heard it's very okay. good. Right, okay. uh, <laughs> it's good to, good to have an achievable goal in life. Next thing is I wish uh, I learned to drive. I grew up in New York City. I found ways to avoid driving. And I just assumed that eventually those Google cars would show up and uh, they'd be automatic and everybody else would have been the sucker. Right. I just waited it out until the cars <laughs> drove themselves. Um, well, I so mean, that, so Armageddon's just coming a little bit early for you. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been to New York City and... I sincerely wish everyone in New York City had learned to drive, particularly the people who do actually drive cars there. <laughs> uh, I wish that I had a child, right? and I wish that child was endowed with all my powers. <laughs> that was something that I've, I've always wanted. And, what, uh, what, what, what power specifically? What, what particular condoboluin power? What's the adjective from condobolu, by the way? Uh, condoboli? All right. <laughs> it's not think... condoburlesque, is it? I think, uh, you know, I, uh, my ability to talk on stage for long periods of time, yep. uh, my uh, ability to zone other humans out when they talk, but know when it's time for me to talk. <laughs> um, I can write essays. Right. Um, That's a good So, skill. I mean, things like that. And then after, I would create some kind of space capsule so yep. I could launch my child into space before the planet blows up and send it to another planet with a similar environment but weaker beings than us, where um, he would have all these superpowers that surpass those of the, the common man. Right. So that's, I mean, you, you need to you know, find that planet mm -hmm. that a yeah. race of Condobolus could take it over. Correct. Right. Okay. Also, well, I just described the plot to Superman. Yeah, oh, I was right. going to say, like, it, it sounds like Superman as directed by Woody Allen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll admit, it's been a while since I saw Superman. I didn't entirely pick that up. All I remember is him coming out of a, of a phone box in his pants. <laughs> I wanted to grow a beard one last time, which I had planned to do 
until Trump got elected, and then it just felt like too much of a risk. <laughs> I, just I didn't want to, you know, tempers flaring. I just, yeah. Because you've had you've uh, had some quite impressive beards in your time, haven't you? Oh, I've had a number of great beards and mustaches yep. and also I mean honestly most of the recent facial hair things I've done I've done abroad and then I shave before I, I re enter the right. US generally. Um Do you know, so I'd, I'd I, quite uh, like I'd quite like to have grown a beard before Armageddon, but I would need Armageddon to be at least twenty five thousand years away at my <laughs> general rate of facial hair growth. Being the alpha. Well, I mean I think that that connects to my next thing, which is I wanted to uh I wanted to see the Mets win a World Series. Right. Uh, but again, that would have required maybe more time than the end of time. That's that's slightly more realistic than the the whole Superman Condobolu plot. Yes. And Bonus finally, plot. the thing I wanted to do before Armageddon was uh, become the White House press secretary. <laughs> <laughs> and it eventually would have been my turn. Right. And we'll never get there. That's a real shame. Uh, I mean, I've I've a few uh, few things that I, I wanted to do. I want uh, learn learn to play the spoons. Um, just just for the hell of it, uh, I would like to have become a warlock. Uh, that now seems unlikely, and uh, I would like to have done my forthcoming uh, Edinburgh show, Satirist for Hire, as well as the US tour shows I'm hopefully be doing in o- October, and uh, the second instalment of my Certifiable History uh, show at Soho Theatre. That's over Christmas and New Year. I wish I'd got to do them before the uh, Armageddon but you can still book your tickets until Armageddon happens online I think I think they're probably mostly available particularly Edinburgh do come to Edinburgh and send your emails in to satirise this at satirisforhire.com because I could really do with some emails particularly as it turns out my website was leading to a dead link in which you could not actually send any emails in so (laughs) please do send emails in thank you now you mentioned your failed ambition of becoming White House Press Secretary uh, which seemed just a matter of time. I'm, I'm basically missed pretty much the entirety of uh, Mr. Scaramucci's glorious reign as the mouthpiece of Mr. Trump. Uh, could you just like get, bring me and anyone else who missed it up to speed with exactly what the f*** happened? Well, sure, this is basically what happened. Um, so Trump fired Sean Spicer, uh, which was a shame because he was very easy to mock. Um <laughs> And then hired someone with no political experience whatsoever named uh, Anthony Scaramucci. I, he has a finance background. Um, he uh, was hired. Uh, and during that 10-day period, he missed the birth of his child, at which point his wife filed for divorce. Um, but, you know, you I would assume he was like, well, who cares? I'm the White House press secretary. Screw her and my child. Uh, but... <laughs> But then a New Yorker article came out written by Ryan Lizza. Apparently, Scaramucci claims that he had called Ryan Lizza and confided a bunch of things because he assumed that a reporter from the New Yorker was was apparently a friend who can keep secrets. Um, so in that interview, he said that uh, Steve Bannon uh, likes to suck his own dick <laughs> um, and basically insulted most members uh, of the cabinet at which point the article came out, um, which, by the way, he refers to himself as the mooch. <laughs> third, third, third person refers to himself as the mooch. Something that everyone had been calling him jokingly, we find out that, no, he actually goes by the mooch. Right. He, he, he said something to the effect is they were all worried because the mooch was going to come in. Oh, no. This is a real human who refers to himself as the mooch. <laughs> 
At which point, after that article came out, which I guess he didn't understand that the New Yorker actually a, a pretty big publication. You know, it people do read it, right? Not just read the cartoons. <laughs> and uh, as a result, uh, he was fired. Uh, he now has no job, and uh, his wife left him. Uh, he has not seen his child, um, but luckily he is white and he'll be fine. <laughs> now, I have a theory on this, uh, that clearly Anthony Scaramucci is fictitious. There is an increasing prevalence of obviously fictitious characters in top-level politics, business and economics. Elon Musk, clearly leading the way, obviously fictitious, an obviously made-up entrepreneur. This whole story with Scaramucci is just total bullshit. The man does not exist. There is no proof that he has ever existed. That That is my theory. You know, honestly, I don't think that's that far-fetched. It was only 10 days. It might have been a slow news cycle. Yeah, I've got you my... You make stuff up. Somebody created a character. That's brilliant. I've got my suspicions about Michael Gove as well, and I'm hoping they <laughs> come true. <laughs> Your emails now, and this came from Brendan in Australia, uh, who writes, You recently broadcast a snippet from August 2010 whilst on your annual leave, during which, amongst other claims, you stated, quote, The world isn't going to satirise itself, is it? Now that it is 2017, would you care to revise this assertion? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it does, it does appear that we are now in some kind of perpetual self-satirising death spiral of humanity. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I don't know if we're ever going to fly out the other end or not. What do, what do you reckon, Har? I mean, is, is, there, is there any ends to the self-satirizing world that we appear to have voted ourselves into? Well, again, yeah, we, we both know what the end is. Right. It's going to be, uh, you know, vaporization. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that is clearly going to be the end. I mean, I don't, I don't know what else the end could be. I mean, what is more absurd than that? Right. After all this, it ends like a comic book. I guess that would be a good way, good way to go, wouldn't it? If you've got to, you've got to plan your exit these days. I just really hope if it happens, it's all of us at once. Last thing I want <laughs> is like some people make it, some people don't, and it just it's all messy of deal with guilt and all that. All of us at once. We, you know, we should go out together. That's admirably egalitarian of you. So it's almost yeah. to the point of communism. <laughs> this came from uh, uh, UB Butt, who was. Um, uh, welcome well, back, welcome UB. Back. Who's emailed uh, the show before? Um, who writes, it's UB Butt here again, brackets still my real name. I saw this adorable pink blob beast shilling unspeakable bathroom products and immediately thought of you, Andy. Its name is <laughs> Kan Chan, and it's the uh, mascot representative for a Japanese company that makes enemas. Um, and you sent us a link to that, which we will uh, we'll put up on the, on the Facebook page. Um, Kan Chan yep. is supposed to be a penguin. Uh, writes at uh, UB. Kan Chan is most assuredly not a penguin. <laughs> I don't know if that makes that make it better or worse. The the enema flogging a, penguin. A pink penguin enema. Right. The name of my third <laughs> album. Um there's been some sensational mascot action here in London. We've had the World Athletics Championships, more of which shortly. And the the mascot, Hero the Hedgehog, about whom uh, we talked on the show a few weeks ago, has, I mean, he has been on spectacular form in the stadium. Absolutely classic max mascot slapstick, diving around, really putting in the hard mascot yards. My big concern is, though, 
These championships are nearly over, and history shows that the future for mascots post-championship is a pretty bleak one. <laughs> and you just worry about the emotional come down. What, what is going to become of Hero the Hedgehog? He's only a hero for these ten brief days. So, please, he's going to need everyone's support and love to do what you can for the world's weirdest hedgehog. A bright pink hedgehog with a <laughs> 1980s mullet. He took one in the bollocks I saw a couple of days ago. It's <laughs> the worst place if you're a hedgehog. Uh, I wonder how old UB Bud is. You think UB Bud is 40? You think UB 40? Uh, oh, uh, very good. Yeah, UB 40? Oh, no, that's going to get cut. <laughs> Not anymore. I kind of think does not get cut. Not get cut from the show. Uh, do get your emails uh, coming in to hellobuglers at thebuglepodcast.com. And don't forget to also submit your satirical request for my Edinburgh show to satirise this at satirisforhire.com. Please, because at the moment I'm getting about 50 pieces of horrific spam email a day. And it'd be quite nice to have some human emails in, in amongst them. Andy, what do you think of the Knight Foundation? Oh, I think the Knight Foundation's awesome, Chris, and all the support they've given to us in the rest of the Radiotopia network. Uh, sport now, and as I said, uh, here in London 2017, we've been reliving London 2012 with the World Athletics Championships in the uh, Olympic Stadium, as it was called then, and is still called by everyone who doesn't call it by its official name, which I can't entirely remember. Um, it's been a festival of sporting endeavour, wildly enthusiastic crowds, and the wrong people winning. Wrong, <laughs> as in not British. We've only had one British winner, Mo Farah, so far in the uh, 10,000 metres. Wrong because uh, there haven't been a good story in the 200 metres last night. was won by Guliev from uh, an Azerbaijani, now representing Turkey. A 27-year-old man uh, from uh, Azerbaijan with no particular story to tell, rather than uh, Wade Van Niekerk, the new star of athletics, uh, performing... Uh, uh, a historic 200-400 double, or Isaac McQuala off his sickbed winning, or, or anything like that. Wrong, wrong people winning, and above all, the wrongest of the wrong winners, Justin Gatlin beating Usain Bolt in his final solo race. Bolt coming in uh, third in a time that about five years ago he could have done, uh, frankly, crawling on his ass, relatively speaking. Um, and Gatlin has been booed roundly by the London crowd, Um he failed. Uh, he served two bans for drug use dating back to the early days of his career. And if there's one thing we in Britain can do, it is hold a sporting grudge. And we've not only held this sporting grudge, but we've held it after basically forgetting about it when we didn't boo him in 2012. And it's almost like we doubled up, having forgotten to boo him in 2012. We've booed him a lot this time. And he won the 100 metres too, and I was there when it happened, and there was a kind of, oh, God, feeling for about three seconds, and everyone started chanting Bolt's name. Has this had much coverage in the States? Because the States have done uh, done very well in these championships, but track and field seems to have slipped down the sporting ladder there. Well, I, I think something about track and field being about who runs the fastest for various distances, who jumps over things. I mean, some of us would find that kind of simple and, and perhaps even base. Right. I mean, oh, that's what I like about it. <laughs> I love the simplicity of it. Run as fast as you can, or throw this unnecessary object. The shot put. You can imagine, like you can imagine being good at, like, oh, I could hit that ball at least once, or I'm sure I could catch that or shoot that into a thing. Running is very much like, oh, I, I can't do that. I can absolutely not do that. <laughs> 
uh, we now give you a quick bugle rundown of implausible excuses for failing drugs tests. The Thai Romanian wrestling star Dadagon Riliuscu tested positive for the band steroids I'm acting like an animal and now here's my scandal uh, drugs which of course can lead to an increase in both sexual urges and homesickness uh, Riliuscu uh, he claimed that he'd fallen overboard during a pedalo boat ride on a local lake and swallowed a mouthful of contaminated tadpoles Tadpoles, of course, long suspected of illegal drug use. The way their bodies so obviously change, that has to be suspicious. In horse racing, Elgar Luch, who of course rode three consecutive winners of the King Rollo and Queen Latifah Memorial Stakes at the Wessexshire Horsodrome in the late 1990s, he tested positive for the agricultural growth hormone uh, vegetable blastolidone after starring in a pantomime production of Jack and the Beanstalk, uh, ironically as the very small back half of a pantomime horse, um, and uh, eating one of the magic beans on set, unaware that it was in fact a pantomime verite production and that beanstalk really was growing that fast the now uh, 12 foot 7 inch jockey was given a suspended 12 month ban by the International Quadruped Racing Association and special dispensation to ride elephants instead of horses until he'd shrunk back to his normal size. Uh, the Turkish shot putter Wapelmaz Popeye Bazalamazoglu uh, claimed his in competition spinach cans had been spiked with a steroid <laughs> I can't even read my own bullshit words now that's it. <laughs> Remember what I said before this show started, Hari? Oh yeah, I, I, in my head I was I was remembering the typing <laughs> while he was talking. Like, wow. He claimed right. his uh, in-competition spinach cans had been spiked with a steroid, I don't want to die alone, the side effects of which include a fear of growing old in solitude. And Canadian sprinter Doug Schnauts tested positive for being a spider. His tests uh, came back an unusual 50% uh, arachnid, which he put down to swallowing a cobweb after having a snack whilst cleaning out an abandoned kitchen cupboard in his late great-uncle Hank's house. <laughs> Hank himself, famously no stranger to sporting controversy after being DQ'd from the 1952 Olymp Olympic 100-metre freestyle swimming after using a homemade jet ski before storming the podium shouting, freestyle means f***ing freestyle. Top sporting family, the Schnauzes. Uh, Auntie Mildred herself, of course, banned from competitive Scrabble after being found to have a 12-volume dictionary hidden in her brassiere. And uh, fi famous, fi finally, famously, American javelin star Bashert Claundry, after uh, failing a test for testosterone, claimed he'd recently returned from being kidnapped by time-travelling aliens, taken back in time to the year 2500 BC, and being forced to eat a plate of stegosaurus testicles as part of a religious ritual. A creationist judge reject rejected the World Anti-Doping Agency's contention that stegosauruses had died out by 2500 uh, <laughs> BC, but Claundry was still banned after further tests revealed that his blood was that of a rhinoceros, uh, something he claimed was the result of spending time on a crowded ark. Amazing what people will do uh, for glory. Well, that concludes uh, this week's Bugle. Uh, Hari, it's been a delight to have you on the Bugle once again, probably for the last time, if the world uh, blows itself up. Well, I appreciate that, Andy. I'm glad to be on the last yeah, ever Bugle. It's, uh, it's, it's been a bit of pleasure. And do, do let us know from Seattle if you get any early warnings. Just, to, just so Oh, yes, for sure. Tell my family I love them. Uh, yeah, just in case the world doesn't end, Hari, are there any uh, places people could see you... Uh, well, I mean, even if the world does end, you know, they could, you know, still maybe in the post-apocalyptic wasteland that, that emerges thereafter. I imagine you'll stick to your touring schedule. Yeah, I'll, I'll still be doing stand-up until people realize that I would be a good food source. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'm in San Diego, California at the American Comedy Company, August 18th through the 20th. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at the Helium Comedy Club, August 24th through 26th. Baltimore, Maryland at Creative Alliance on August 27th. 
Portland, Maine at Aura on August 30th, and at uh, in Burlington, Vermont, August 31 through September 2nd at the Vermont Comedy Club. Uh, there are gigs in Boston, Oakland, and Portland, Oregon also later in the year. Just go to my website, harikundabalu.com, or Google, or wherever it is, and, and you'll see me. I will be touring the country all fall. Great. And don't forget to come and bring all your friends and submit your email request for my Edinburgh show. Satirise this at satiriseforhire.com. Details, once again, on the internet. Until next time, Buglers, goodbye. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth, Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.